0: This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris.
1: And my name is DJ.
0: And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, world travels, or at least national travels, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way.
1: The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals.
0: DJ, we have both been very out and about, as time and other considerations permitted over the last week or so. And some of that has been for work, some of that has been for pleasure, some of it's been for all of the above, Uh, but we haven't exactly been at a location at the same time. We've both been to some of the same places, because that's just how things work out, but we have stories to tell. We have stories to tell and discussions to have based on our travels since we've last recorded. But DJ, it is good to see you again, and I gotta know, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay, Chris. Yeah, it seems like we uh, were in literally the same spots, the same coordinates, one might say, on this little blue ball we call Earth. Um, But we have missed each other. We were not there at the same time. But experiences that we can both relate to each other on.
0: Yeah, I went a couple days before you. Every person I could get in front of, I I warned them. I said, DJ's coming. DJ's coming. Prepare the (laughs) way. Roll out the red carpet. Uh, And did they get that carpet out for you, like I asked? They
1: did not, although the moving sidewalks were functioning at Universal.
0: Okay, well, (laughs) that's something at least. But DJ, it's good to hear from you again. I'm really looking forward to the fun that we're going to have today as we talk about our travels and whatever else we come up to. Uh, But before we do, let's just briefly cover some of the recent episodes that we've had uh, to give the listener, the dear listener, just a, a chance to consider maybe what they might listen to after this episode.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we had a couple plan of parks. I think those are some of our favorite segments to do to record. Uh, you and I really enjoyed doing those, Chris. We did uh, two parks. Uh, one that both of us have went to has been to. Another that only one of us has been to. Uh, that being Knott's Berry Farm. You've been there multiple times. Uh, I've never been to Knott's, but always wanted to go. And so we did a great planter park on that park. Uh, also, using the new, or I shouldn't say new, I should say the supposed uh, Giga that's coming to Knotts. And Alleged. then, of course, we also. <laughs> yes, le- allegedly, allegedly. And we also focused on Holiday World and Splash and Safari, a little family owned park. And I say little, um, not serious, because this is a pretty great park located in Santa Claus, Indiana, just outside of Evansville, Indiana, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, really planning what that park could look like, both focusing on the water park aspect, which is you know, frankly, one of the best in the world. And uh, on the amusement park, too, where you have uh, a great collection of wooden roller coasters and a very unique B&M winged launching coaster.
0: Yeah, it was a ton of fun to sort of take the reins. We were taking the keys to the car and driving it where we wanted to go. And I think that we had a lot of good ideas. You know, it's funny when we do these planet parks, we start out, with an outline, which often includes a lot of things that we might want to see at any park. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Gerslauer Skyroller. (laughs) I want to add that to every park because I've never ridden one, but it looks so cool. Uh, But then it always seems like when we are in the heat of the discussion, we come up with at least one big idea that we didn't have coming into the recording. And I think that's part of the Beauty of the concept of plan a park. It's where we figure out what we would want to do if we had strategic creative control, whatever you want to call it. So, dear listener, once you're done with this episode, I do highly recommend, nay, demand, I demand that you go back and listen to at least a couple of our Planet Park episodes uh, in the feed. This is our 60th episode, DJ, and we have a a lot of fun that we've had in the previous 59 episodes. We have a a lot of great Planet Parks, a lot of great interviews even, uh, including most recently with Michael Graham of The Gravity Group.
1: Yeah, that was a great interview. To talk with him, the Cincinnati-based wooden coaster design firm, uh, they don't necessarily construct wooden roller coasters, but what they do is design and engineer those the track and, and what the ride layout could be. And also they have their timber liner trains, which are really the state-of-the-art wooden roller coaster trains that articulate around the track, you know, it's not just bumping into turns, it's actually flowing with the turns, it allows the cars to go upside down on a wooden track, they're very comfortable. We got to talk about that. And of course there's a little bit of chili debate in there as well whether or not naturally. beans belong
0: naturally. Yeah,
1: it it tends to come up whether or not beans belong in chili or not. And then another episode, just one more to mention, our time flies paint dries. This is still kind of an ongoing episode as uh, we are keeping track on Twitter or at least trying to keep track of all the roller coasters that are receiving a new paint job for some reason. 2021 was the year of paint and so is 2022. And so we've got some great dialogue going on there. If you spot uh, any coaster in a park close to you or a park that you visit getting painted that maybe we didn't hit, Please let us know. You've all been doing a great job, and we appreciate you.
0: Yeah, we were putting some thoughts out on the Twitter because people are still uh, reaching out to us when they learn of a new paint project so that we can record it on that Twitter thread. Um, And i got to give a shout-out to Zach for continuing to find the hard-to-find projects and and saying, hey, look at this, that we added to the list. Uh, But we were trying to think this through on our Twitter about when this project would be done, when we would be able to definitively say that these are the theme park attraction projects, whatever you want to call them, that have been repainted over the last year. And I think we're going to have to wait until May or maybe even June when everybody has a, a chance to really get into the park, take all these photos so that we can see them on social media or our travels ourselves. And, oh, my God, I just thought of another one, the boomerang at uh, Hershey Park.
1: Oh, well, now, completely... is that a repaint or is that oh, – that's it's, totally it's different, it's being I repainted
0: think. because they're retheming it. I know. But they're,
1: they're adding a tunnel to that. I mean yeah. –
0: yeah, so I'm going to have to add that to the list after we're done recording here. But see, this is what I'm talking about. It just pops into my head and say, oh, that's being repainted, too. Or someone <laughs> copies us on a tweet and says, hey, look at this. It's being repainted. Uh, but we're going to have to wait a couple more months until we have a definitive list. And once we're done with that list, I don't know what the finished product will look like, but it's going to be good. And so, do listener, I do encourage you, if you find a new paint project out there please let us know don't be afraid if you think maybe we've already seen it maybe we haven't it doesn't hurt to just copy us on a tweet well i'm talking like it's emails reply to us on a tweet (laughs) and let us know and we will say awesome thanks and we'll add it to the list if it isn't already on the list so that's what we need from you dear listener Uh, But in the meantime, if this is your first time listening to Corkscrew Convos, first of all, thank you for listening. Uh, If you've listened before, thank you for listening as well. Welcome back. Happy to be here, definitely. So take a look around, take a listen, and if you like it, go ahead and follow the podcast wherever you listen. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, sort of, and CorkscrewConvos.com. So there's a lot of ways for you to follow with the show and interact with the show as well, um, including CorkscrewConvos at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, definitely check us out there. And I think think now might be the time to maybe jump into where we have been, talk about our adventures. And we somewhat alluded to this, Chris. I mean, me mentioning moving sidewalks. Um, Where (laughs) did we go? Not together, though. Where did we go separately?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I went to a very quick trip down to Orlando, Florida, uh, because I was gonna be starting a new job right after that, and I have since started that new job, but I needed to take my last opportunity to have some extended free time without worrying about accruing PTO or whatever else. So I hopped down on a a trip to sunny Orlando, Florida, and coincidentally, it is because of JetBlue. And I know that you went with a different airliner uh, on your way down to Florida, but JetBlue has me figured out, DJ. Uh I am an equation that they have already solved. Uh, You are in the algorithm. I am, because I got a notification on my phone from the JetBlue app advertising $22 flights for JetBlue's birthday or whatever else. And so...
1: (laughs) That's nothing.
0: Yeah, I went and I, I looked in the app I looked and see if they had flights to Orlando from my location, and yes, it was one of the $22 flights. Now, sure, DJ, I ended up paying nearly 10 times (laughs) that amount before I checked out, but that's showbiz, baby. That's just how it works. I I still got a a relatively good deal on a flight down there compared to what I'm used to.
1: You were quoted $22, but you're telling me that you paid almost $200?
0: Yes, because I didn't want the basic fare. I didn't want the basic – the $22 flight was a red eye with the basic fare, no carry-on. And sure, I could do that sometimes, but I didn't want to do that this time. So I thanked them for that opportunity for the $22 flight, and then I paid more. And I'm sure they were happy about that as well. I think
1: that's their algorithm is to get you to click, and then you realize, oh, well, I'm already here.
0: Yes. (laughs) See? (laughs) And I am happy with the fare that I paid for because – it was still a lot cheaper than what I've paid for flights before trying to go to obscure airports uh, around the country. I have definitely paid a lot more for flights previously. So I was okay with paying the amount that I did heading down to Orlando, especially because of the occasion. Uh, was this nonstop? It was. And that was a okay, big thing great. as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's worth it then.
0: Yeah. So in Orlando, I... Of course, went to Universal Orlando Resort. It's a little uh, little theme park development down there in Orlando. <laughs> uh, I also went to Walt Disney World, and we'll get into more of that later. Uh, but I had a, a really fun time. I saw some friends down there that I hadn't seen for a while. I I sort of had a good time before... It was time to start a new job and start that PTO accrual from the beginning again. And, you know, I uh, am glad that I went down there. So let's just jump right in, DJ, into my travels. And then if it sounds good, we'll get to yours.
1: I think that's perfect. Now, of course, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to ask you Uh, questions. So so be ready. Be ready.
0: uh, I'm counting on it. First thing I did when I arrived in Orlando... Was head to City Walk because I had some time to kill before I had a, a dinner with some friends. I, I went to City Walk, which is Universal Shopping and Entertainment District uh, and Dining District uh, that attached to Islands Adventure and Universal Studios Florida. I got a margarita because it was allegedly oh. National Margarita Day. So.
1: What establishment I, did you choose?
0: Now, don't hate me, but I, I just went to one of those kiosks on oh. City Walk. Yeah. I didn't go to any location. I just walked up to a place and Closest said, to the lake. Yes, exactly. One margarita, please. And they said, oh, sure, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that. And it was delicious, DJ. Margaritas are something that are still relatively new to me. I oh. first had a margarita, if you remember, in May of 2021. So <laughs> it was good to have another one as well. I, I got the margarita. I picked a spot near the water, and I just relaxed for a little bit and took it all in because
1: there's the a City lot to Walk, take in at CityWalk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's a, a lot of kinetic energy at CityWalk because you're sitting in the shopping and dining district itself, but then you're looking at the skylines of the parks themselves. You're looking at the uh, the lighthouse, the violence of Adventure going around. You're looking at Hulk dispatching pretty often as well. Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket. And you can just sort of make out the top hat for Jurassic World Velocicoaster, but we'll get to that later. And if
1: you go to the other side of the lake too, you're right by Rip Ride Rocket. I mean, it's got that little section there at the end.
0: Yeah, you can walk right up to it. It's, It's very interesting to see. And if I had, now this is a different topic for a different episode, but if I had to rank these Shopping and dining districts that are attached to theme park developments, City Walk would definitely be up there. I don't know if I would put it ahead of downtown Disney at Disneyland. No, I might. I'm going to have to think on that, and it's a topic for another episode. But I
1: put it ahead of Disney Springs, no doubt.
0: Yeah, well, I, I haven't really explored Disney Springs, so okay. I, I'll, I'll okay. trust your judgment on that. But there's definitely a lot of stuff going on at City Walk. There's more construction there going on now. Um, it looked like the groove, which I think was a club or something like that. There's construction walls up around that, so that might be becoming something else in the near future. We're going to have to wait and see on that. But I had a, a really good time, even though I wasn't in a theme park. I was near a theme park, near two theme parks, or three if you count Volcano Bay and you should. You but, should.
1: Oh, I, yeah. Have you been
0: there? I have not, DJ. Oh, I have not been to Volcano man. Bay.
1: That's one, if we could do it, you and I need to do together. But yeah. continue. I
0: continue. <laughs> hear they got some great slides there at Volcano Bay. <sighs> yes. They have a
1: great everything.
0: <laughs> so I eventually got hungry, as one does. Uh, and as I've been known to do from time to time, I got hungry. So I went to what turned out to be... A pretty new location on the top level of city walk i don't know exactly what the name of this area was but it was near the movie theater there and it was okay. near mose sort of going yep. up that escalator and it was called ben the bow i got three bow dj and have you had bow before
1: um i've had bow i think we had I could be wrong. I want to say I tried bao, but it was in Vietnam, but I think that's where I've had it.
0: Okay. Well, I had uh, gotten it a couple times before, but uh, not at this new location, and they had different proteins that you could pick from, which each had different complementary ingredients as well. I had three. They were all very good. I think I got brisket in one, um, shrimp, and fried pork belly, which is bacon-like. It's essentially oh, bacon. Oh, I
1: love fried pork and belly. Any ramen with fried pork belly is
0: Yeah, it was superb. so good. I mean, especially the, I think it was the shrimp. It came with fried jalapeno slices, and that was sublime as well. So uh, I, I don't know how new that location is, but it was delicious, and I would highly recommend it if you're looking to just get a, a light snack before heading out or wherever else you're going in City Walk.
1: Cowfish is probably my favorite place. Yeah, it might sound basic, but no, Cowfish really like is great.
0: It. I, it's uh, been a couple of years the, since I've been there. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was also going to say there's that um, Irish bar. Is it Waxy O'Shea's? Is that what it's called? Maybe it's not Waxy O'Shea's. There's a there's a Irish bar towards kind of the back of City Walk. I love going there, and then I've had a few drinks at Margaritaville before. Um, but I I just think compared to like Disney Springs, Disney Springs is more of like a long strip mall with some restaurants and I think city walk is because it's so compact and like you said there's so many more levels there's all these digital signs it's very much more city like and more kinetic.
0: Yeah, and I I mean thinking of the city walk at Universal Studios Hollywood, I only walked through it twice to get to my car and then back out and it had a similar feeling. I'm going to have to look at photos of it but it just felt like everything was on top of everything else. It was almost like a, a canyon of buildings that we walked through to get to Universal Studios Hollywood. So I get what they're trying to do there. And it is very impressive as well with the experience that they create. But DJ, this day that I started out with CityWalk, it was not where my destination was. I wasn't going to a park because I needed to go to another... Uh, I guess it's becoming a tradition for me, Uh, and it's called Chewy's. It's a restaurant that has two locations in Orlando. I've only been to the one location on uh, International Drive, and have you ever been? No,
1: I don't believe I have. It doesn't sound familiar to me.
0: Well, it is a chain, and I think they're around most of the southeast, if I'm not sure. I think there's some in... Tennessee and Virginia at least as well so it's not that it's a unique experience but it's good DJ I is mean it there's Tex Mex sort of yeah I mean there's always a crazy long line to get in so I'm always just sitting out there with it's it's
1: there's one by my house apparently which is why I'm asking
0: okay I well I think you should go and here's the thing that you ask for DJ it might not be on the menu But it's sort of like a a jalapeno crema or a jalapeno ranch to dip your chips in. And oh, that is the best thing to get there. I mean, you'll fill up on that alone (laughs) in addition to the chips that you get. Uh, I always like to get uh, the, I think they call it the pachos as well, uh, which is sort of large nachos, uh, but large chip-like fried tortillas. And it's delicious. I mean, I think part of the reason that might be swaying my affinity for Chewies is that whenever I go, I'm always hanging out with some great friends that we visit with. Uh, And so I think that is part of the reason why I have such a a spot for Chewies in my heart. But I mean, I I did have some dinner with some great friends and you know who you are, those people that I mean, uh, you're awesome. And it was awesome to be able to see all of those great friends again and, and go to this location that I, I guess uh, I'm not a regular at, but it's definitely part of my Orlando tradition to be able to go to Chewy's, see some friends after waiting in like a, an hour and a half long line to get out there. In the meantime, <laughs> we're exploring the area around it. And uh, it's good. So I think I'd recommend it if someone's looking for something to eat around iDrive Drive. Again, you're probably going to have to wait a while because uh, it's just the nature of the beast in that area of Orlando, how crowded it is. And there's no
1: dead time anymore. It seems like over the past few years, it's like there's no time you can go to Orlando and it's not busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I visited the parks uh, at this trip, I don't know about you, DJ, but it was very busy, uh, both at Universal and Disney. Very busy.
1: Oh, slammed. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So on the next day, I started it out at Universal Orlando Resort. Uh, This was sort of my triumphant return. (laughs) I was happy. I was marching through City Walk and I felt the sun on my head, which was a unique situation for me because I, I usually, we've covered it when we had our interview with Taylor Bybee about what we bring to the parks. I am always bringing a bucket hat that has a fastening strap on the bottom so that i can ride rides with it <laughs> and it has it a pretty wide brim and i'm able to crush it pack it do whatever because it's just this trusty old hat and i realized i didn't have it i didn't have my bucket hat with me dj and that was uh, troubling for me because i mean
1: i mean you haven't had real sun in how many months i mean yeah. we have these cloudy skies all the time yeah. and then orlando it's just another day in the summer
0: I could feel myself burning as I walked through City Walk, <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately dipped into one of the stores at a uh, City Walk, and there was this hip reversible bucket hat with a, a smaller brim than what I'm used to, but it looked pretty sturdy as well, uh, and it was purple. It had a nice design in it for Mardi Gras. I Can got. You show it, it
1: on camera. Uh, do you have it around? I'll do my best to describe month. it. If so, if not.
0: Oh, I do. There it is. It's a reversible oh. hat. Yeah. Oh, so it's it's yes. a pretty hip design. What are you seeing right now, DJ?
1: I'm seeing uh, spaceships, planets, uh, beads, of course, for Mardi Gras. It's mm-hmm. it's like this futuristic Mardi Gras. Um, Even like an Art Deco Jetson sort of thing going on. Exactly, yes. Blue, green, blue, blue, and purple being the main colors, a little bit of green, and a small amount of yellow and orange as accents. That's a really cool design.
0: Yeah, and it was like this is a thick hat. Uh, It's pretty sturdy, and that's what I liked about it. It's also reversible.
1: (gasps) Oh, (laughs) he's reversed it to now be this black suede-looking sort of material, green stitching, green stripe, and then the patch Mardi Gras celebration right on the front.
0: Because the theme of Mardi Gras this year at Universal Orlando is Planet Mardi Gras, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, I
1: didn't catch that. (laughs)
0: You were probably Not just preoccupied. like Mardi
1: Gras, cool. <laughs> on to Velocicoaster.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the theme of Mardi Gras this year, and we'll get more into that shortly. But I got the bucket hat, I put it on my crown, and I was then ready to go with my head protected. First thing I did, DJ, islands of adventure. I entered the park without a real plan because I just wanted to go with the flow. I didn't have a lot on my checklist that I needed to go through. Uh, There were lots of things that I hadn't done yet that I did get to do this trip. But, uh, I mean, let's not leave the listeners waiting anymore. Jurassic World Velocicoaster. (laughs) That is uh, quite a ride, DJ. I mean, I think people have picked it apart for the last almost a year now. Uh, of how great it is, how amazing it is the, from the queue. Uh, Has it been open the, that
1: long? That's nuts. Almost
0: a year, I think, yeah. Wow. A couple more okay. months and it'll been open for a year. And it's, uh, I mean, DJ, some t- some of it is what you can't put into words because of how just cool and fun and experience it is right now. So DJ, is there anything you'd like the- to say?
1: Well, I was I was going to ask if you were surprised at the walk it took to get to it, how it's kind of, it's more tucked in than I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, I'd go in, into Jurassic Park world or whatever this area is called, and then it would be boom right there, but it wasn't.
0: Yeah, I had visited Islands of Adventure, I think, once before the construction started in earnest for VelociCoaster. I had visited as well when it was during the land clearing, so a lot of uh, the Jurassic Park section was just uh, walls and land clearing. But I get what you're saying there, where there's sort of two levels to Jurassic Park at Islands of Adventure, and you have to walk down the hill, go around the Discovery Center to even get to the entrance. And I think that adds a little element of anticipation, because you are walking around the ride itself— you're seeing the screaming riders get shot yep. around the coaster, and I think that builds up that for the smooth, anticipation. That
1: smooth sound.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I, in addition to of course experiencing Jurassic Jurassic World VelociCoaster. I spent a lot of time photographing it, DJ. <laughs> a lot wow. of time photographing it. The one
1: it. most recent you put on our Instagram, and I don't know when this episode will be out, but the one with the sunset. I mean, that is like, I feel like that's on Visit Orlando magazine. It could be front page.
0: Hey, well, I tagged them, so hopefully they. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> hopefully they uh, use it to promote it. Oh, yep, we get I a, see it. <laughs> a kick out of it. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> yes, I did tag Visit Perfect. Orlando. Um, so yeah, I was, I was proud of that photo as well. Um, cause I mean, that photo was of course taken later on in the day and I was leaving the park, heading back to studios for the Mardi Gras parade. And then I looked, and I said, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make this parade. Look at that sunset. And so I got out my camera. This was in port of entry by the, the waterfront there. And I probably spent more than. 30 minutes just switching out my lenses trying different stuff with the sunset getting the train at different angles and Whoo, I was uh, pretty happy with how it turned out because that is such a photogenic roller coaster And I of course will have more photos to share uh, as we go through this harsh winter as as it appears to still be at least by me like uh, I'm looking out the window right now and the snow is still coming down so it warms me to think of These travels that I've had just recently to sunny Orlando, Florida, where it was in the 80s and lower 90s. And uh, it was a a welcome change of pace. But that was Velocicoaster. I mean,
1: I think I'll wait until we get to my section. If there's nothing else you want to say about it, I have. So much to say about this ride, but yeah, uh, we I can will, leave it there if you'd like.
0: I'll ho- I will uh, yield the remainder of my VelociCoaster time uh, so that when we get to you, uh, we can both just sort of nerd out on, on that roller coaster. Because really, it's, it's wow. something, huh? It's something. Wow.
1: It re- really is a special little boy.
0: Yeah, but yeah. how do you follow up a new roller coaster, a new attraction at all of in- Islands of Adventure? Uh, For me, it was experiencing another attraction that I had not yet done at Islands of Adventure. Uh, This had opened, uh, I guess, seven or eight years ago now. But I had not done it yet because the line was always very long and I had other stuff that I really wanted to do. This time, I came into the park with... Little expectations about what I wanted to do. I mean, of course, Velocicoaster was checked off the list, so we could move on now. And I rode the Hogwarts Express.
1: You've never been on that before, ever?
0: I had not. No, it had really? always been like, oh, that line is so long. We need to go okay. do other stuff. And so, often so you experienced the, the case.
1: backwards.
0: Yes. I. The backwards I went, version. Yeah. I went from Hogsmeade to King's Cross Station. At uh, Universal Studios Florida and I didn't really know what to expect I don't think that I had watched a ride video of it when it came out so this was a new experience for me and oh, cool the AC itself the air conditioning was a welcome change I <laughs> mean <laughs> just being able to get into that uh that train car which was very photorealistic to the movies. That was incredible oh to see. Oh, I know.
1: Even the fabric of the seats.
0: Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. And the uh, the projections that they did on the opaque glass uh, yes. as people were moving through, that yes. was a really cool touch as well. The
1: sound of just hearing s- s- little whispers and footsteps. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it little was creatures.
0: A, it was a fun attraction. It was the first time that I had caught it without a huge weight because, of course, it was, it was near the beginning of the day. Uh, But there must be a a, a pretty low hourly throughput for the demand that it garners as a park hopping attraction, uh, that being a pretty unique circumstance. But later in the day, DJ, I realized, you know, I've only done half of the Hogwarts Express. I really ought to complete the experience and do the other half heading back to Islands of Adventure. Let me so, ask you a question yeah. really
1: quickly, because I always notice this, at least a few people, I'll hear it within earshot, when they go to the Hogwarts Express, whether they're at King's Cross, Platform 93 quarters, or they're over at Hogsmeade Station,
0: Yeah,
1: you'll always hear some grumbling saying, well, isn't that great how they have it set up? You have to have a second ticket. Did you hear any of that?
0: I didn't. Because okay. I I was just sort of scanning and, and running through, not running okay. through, of course, because of safety. Sure. But sure. Uh, I I try to move pretty point to point when I when I know where I want to go at a theme park. Sure. Uh, oftentimes I do like to meander if I'm just looking to discover. Uh, but other than that, if, if I have a mission, I'm I'm definitely on that mission and and blocking out the haters, as one would say. But, yeah, it is creative and interesting that they have such an attraction. Um, it definitely takes a ton of labor, a ton of labor to operate an attraction like that, especially compared to its hourly throughput, which I I don't have a reference for what the hourly throughput for that attraction is. But just think about it, DJ.
1: It's just one train. Yeah. Well, there's
0: two, does right? It,
1: does it switch in the middle?
0: It does, yeah. Oh, uh,
1: okay. okay. So
0: they have the two trains there. It's sort of like a funicular, sort of, but not on a an incline. And they have those two crews on each side of the different stations. I would say probably four or five floor operators. I don't remember counting specifically, but I think there'd be four or five on each end of the train. There could definitely be one in a sort of, control tower or console monitoring riders. that wouldn't surprise me, maybe even two of them. Um, and then, of course, there are the greeters and the uh, ticket scanners because they're operating two additional sort of gates to the theme park where they have to scan tickets, resolve issues, that sort of thing. Uh, so it probably takes a ton of labor to operate that attraction. But then you consider... This is also a major driver for park tickets, I would assume. Uh, so it, it probably is very lucrative for them. But it was interesting to see how much of an infrastructure had to be built around such a unique style of attraction.
1: I think we both have a mutual friend we could ask these questions to, and he could probably tell us.
0: Within yeah. thirty
1: seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to to figure out about that someday. But yeah, it's it's interesting to consider such a unique attraction that's a park hopper. Um, but coming back on the King's Cross side, I did not have as brief a wait. Unfortunately, I I figured well time to bite the bullet and wait for the reverse journey, and I ended up waiting like fifty minutes. And that's a line that doesn't really move regularly. Like if it was something like an Omnimover, it would be moving constantly because people are constantly loading. Right, right. For something like this, it takes a lot of people at once and then the trains move. And then you get sorted and grouped or whatever and then it loads a ton of people at once again. So (laughs) that can definitely uh, make it a different line waiting experience compared to a lot of other attractions. Uh, I spent a lot of time in that sort of warehouse building um, underneath King's Cross as well. They even had that built-in snack bar in the middle of the wait, (laughs) uh, which you have to walk through to get to the remainder of the queue. So, (laughs) oh, I did not get anything from it, but it was... It was fun to see that because, of course, oh, they know what they're doing there, uh, yep. providing you with amenities. <laughs> that's what they're doing. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was another good ride coming back to Hogsmeade. Of course, this was a ride that had the Dementors uh, on that side, too. So that was cool to see. Um, would I do it again if there were a short wait? Yes. But I don't know that I'll ever catch it without a short wait because uh, it's just such (laughs) a demand for this attraction that brings you from one park to the other in an immersive experience. And and that's very unique. So I'd love to do it again sometime.
1: If it's not a short wait, it's more worth it just to go back through the park you were in to catch something else as you're leaving that park to go to the next.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that I did the Hogwarts Express. Uh, I mean, now I've done the Harry Potter attractions. So that was uh, sort of completing out that experience. But sometimes it can be a long line for that attraction. But that's just the nature of how things go sometimes. Now, Universal Studios Florida, I had some other new experiences as well. DJ, have you ever done the horror makeup show?
1: I almost did it. Um, I was right by the entrance. The show was going to begin in five or ten minutes, um, but I had someone I needed to meet up with, so unfortunately okay. I did not do it.
0: It is a fun show, DJ. It's a, a fun way to sit down and watch some lighthearted fun, and what I loved most about it, pre- probably, DJ, was that it felt really 90s. It felt really 90s. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we
1: love s- a 90s experience.
0: Yeah, the, the set itself mm. probably... I imagine it can't have changed very much since the 90s, and this might have even been an opening day show. I'm not sure, but it it definitely was old school universal, being that it was revealing how the movies were made back in the day instead of the modern approach to a lot of universal, which is ride the movies, experience the movies. This was... The old school approach for a lot of old school Universal Studios Hollywood, like with the studio tour. It's pulling back the curtain, showing you how they do things. And of course, it's done very tongue-in-cheek with this show, with the trick knife and other fun elements as well. But I I really liked it, DJ. It was fun, it was silly, it was easy, and I didn't have to wait to enjoy it, so that was good too. (laughs)
1: That's what's always great, when you can just find something open, you don't have to stand in a line. And sometimes it just feels good to sit down.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. It's a pretty small theater from what I was expecting um, for a a show at Universal Studios Florida. But if you consider maybe it's... Its demand. I mean, there were some open seats when I was there as well on a very busy day. So of course, it's been around for decades, and I think it's a, a positioned pretty well for what it is uh, at Universal. Uh, they did. Did have, you check
1: out the store across the way that had some of the actual props from the from H H N that were available for purchase?
0: I went into the prop shop and I saw a lot of those cool stuff. It's just. It's, It's a couple problems, DJ. Logistics and price. (laughs) (laughs)
1: $2,500 for this
0: pumpkin. (laughs) If I were able to buy a huge sign or what they had had there was a lot of uh, set pieces from Shrek 4D. And they even were selling Shrek 4D glasses.
1: I almost bought the glasses $5. (sighs) Yeah. Just to be like, okay.
0: I, I didn't need them, so I didn't get it. But <laughs> if I were to buy one of those big shields that had been on the queue of Shrek, I mean, how would I get it out of there? How would I get it out of there? That's <laughs> the problem, DJ. So, no, I did not buy anything from the prop shop. Uh, but whenever I go in, I just see something like, wow, I need that, but I'm not able to have it. So it's uh... a... <laughs> I always have to be careful when I go in, DJ. Because one of these days, DJ, one of these days, I am going to walk out with a huge sign from Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket. It's just <laughs> a given <laughs> that I spent four thousand dollars on. Oh, okay. one of those
1: rock star silhouettes.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, but or maybe a metal detector.
0: Yeah, maybe too. But uh, the clothes up the horror makeup show. Uh, I mean, the actors had a really fun rapport as well. It's something I would do again, Uh, just like the Animal Actors show that I have now seen twice. It's just a fun time. It's simple fun. You sit there. There's silly jokes that they make. And it's a a lot of fun as well. Uh, They did have an audience volunteer at some point. Uh, he was clearly a plant from Universal as well. Uh, so that I guess with the, their pandemic measures, they're not having uh, uh, every guest go up and into the, the stage itself. Uh, but, I mean, you could tell, DJ, when the way that the actor moved when he came up as a volunteer, one, he was way too confident, and he just moved too smoothly on a stage. I mean, I think there was one point where they asked him to scream, for whatever reason. And of course he screamed, but he also did a a broad gesture with his arm. And I was like, oh, that's a theater kid. That's a theater (laughs) kid. (laughs) So, I mean, that didn't really hurt the show. It was still fine that they were sort of playing like he was a volunteer coming up from the audience. And uh, it was still a really fun show. And it's something I would definitely do again. Something I wouldn't do again. (sighs) The Simpsons ride.
1: Mm, Have you done it, DJ? I've done it once.
0: I have now done it twice. Uh, But probably for the last time. There had been several times where I'd visited Hollywood or Florida, and I didn't ride Simpsons because it was like an hour wait or even longer. And I don't get how it gets such a wait, DJ. It's a... It's definitely an attraction whose time has come and gone, I think. Um,
1: Yeah. First and foremost,
0: I don't get the 3D animation craze for a lot of attraction media. And maybe it was the style, maybe it was the, the hip thing to do 20, 30 years ago. But I think ultimately for something like a Simpsons ride, it would have been much better served by the classic Simpsons animation style. 2D, not 3D. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, yep. and this could be another topic for an ep- another episode, but this might be a hot take. I think Spider-Man at Islands of Adventure, at least before the 2012 refurbishment, could have been better served by 2D animation with more comic book stylings. And now, of course, I I do really appreciate that they updated it in 2012, and it looks incredible. It looks incredible 3D. Probably the best application of 3D in an attraction out there, I would say. But before that, when it was older, why couldn't they have done something like uh, something 2D, more comic book esque, I guess, where you're jumping into the comic book? And maybe that wasn't in the cards in the 90s. Maybe they're trying to figure out what the 3D animation could really do. Um, And, of course, I I wouldn't have it any other way now, now that the animation has been updated and it's incredible. Uh, But it's just something to think about for a lot of attractions out there that opened in maybe the late 90s or the early 2000s, and they have dated 3D animation where we were still learning about this art as, uh, as its infancy. So maybe something to think about for another episode, but it's interesting to consider what style of animation is used for these attractions media.
1: And I think the only thing I can think of that does the 2D off the top of my head is Gobbler Getaway at Holiday World. I know you haven't been on that, but uh, everything's like a 2D cutout. I think if I remember correctly and it works really well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, something to consider for another episode, but in Diagon Alley, DJ, I saw another thing that I had never seen before, uh, which was the Deathly Hallows show. Have you seen that?
1: Uh, I know about this show. Um, but the only show I've actually sat down to watch in Diagon Alley was this, um, uh, it's, it's this woman singing and she's supposed to be a very famous in the Potter world. I can't remember her name.
0: Okay. Yeah, this was on the stage sort of to the side of Diagon Alley. Um, this was a side of that land that I somehow had not been to yet or I had not really remembered. I spent a lot of time where it's covered. It's this covered area. Yeah, it's area. got that
1: plexiglass kind of roof sort of thing Which
0: going on. Is, it's different. But I liked it because it did take some of the heat off from the direct sun. And of course, it's probably good when it rains, everybody's probably right underneath there. But <laughs> I saw that stage and they retold the story of the Deathly Hallows as portrayed in either the seventh or the eighth movie of Harry Potter, I think the seventh, uh, with that very unique animation style as well. and. They had translated that into a sort of a puppet show where it was the theater school of the Wizarding World. They had a, a couple of graduates from whatever theater school they have in the Wizarding World, too. So that was a, a fun. Oh, world I have building seen this. There the,
1: too. the giant marionette sort yes. of puppets yes. yes i have seen this
0: and yep. it's it's taking the the production design from that animation itself and translating that into actual puppets and <laughs> it was a, a fun simple show as well i think they took the the story word for word from how it was told in the um in the seventh movie so it was a good show. It did get a pretty big crowd as well. Uh, and they did have a very impressive um, puppet set piece. I don't know if I'd call it a puppet because it was so large and it wasn't manipulated by an actor. But Death, at the very end, uh, pops up out of one of the other set pieces and he's like 15 yeah. feet tall. Um, yep. And that was very impressive to see as well. Uh, And I I like the show. It's simple stuff like that that rounds out a land and gives people something to do without walking through a queue, entering an attraction, then exiting it. It's creating the world itself, and and that's really great to see uh, for something like Diagon Alley.
1: Yeah, I believe, uh, I think Hermione tells the tale, but it's after they meet with Mr. Lovegood.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, DJ... Let's talk about food again. It's
1: lunchtime here.
0: It is, yeah. I talk a big game when it comes to food because uh, I have learned to cook a lot of stuff over the last couple of years. But before my recent visit to Universal, believe it or not, I had not actually eaten a crawfish before, or as we say, crawdads.
1: Yeah, we say crawdad in Missouri. Um... That kind of surprises me. I, uh, yeah. One of my favorite favorite food is crawdads. I love crawdads.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd gone to the Mardi Gras celebration area of the park. I ordered a crawfish and shrimp boil at one of the event kiosks. And I was, I mean, I didn't know how to eat it when I ripped <laughs> open the, the boil bag and I picked up the little crustacean. I I thought wow, how do I eat this like a lobster? Like a crab? I, I don't know, like a shrimp? Do I just bite it? I didn't just bite it cuz that seemed like it would be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all crack it all, open
1: and you just you just suck it out.
0: Yeah, it was a delicious meal. Uh well seasoned. There was andouille sausage, corn on the cob and potatoes as well, and of course, the crawdads. I eventually did Now, tell me if I'm wrong DJ, but I sort of treated it like a lobster eventually i did do some trial and error of yeah. looking through where the meat would be in the crawdad i eventually just ended up eating the tail was that the yep. right thing
1: yeah that's that's basically right you're basically treating it like you would a lobster tail or even a crab leg i would kind of compare it to in a way okay you're just cracking it and you're you're getting the meat out
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Which, I don't know
1: if you know this about me. Um, Cajun food is my all-time favorite type of food
0: oh, more than I, any other. Oh, I like Cajun food.
1: <laughs> Gumbo, oh, yeah. um, all these boils. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually made jambalaya the other day, but that's a, a tangent for another day. <laughs> oh, I Etouffee. like Cajun food too. Yeah. But it was while I was enjoying that meal, DJ, that I was near sort of the Central Park area of Universal and... I was walking through it and struck with a memory that apparently I had repressed for several months, if you can believe it, because (laughs) last time I was in that area of the park was November and they were celebrating the, the, the Christmas season there. And there was a, a temporary stage set up, um, in that area for a Christmas show and, Back in November, when I was walking through the area, I was on the phone trying to reconnect with some other members in my group because we had gotten separated or were catching up or whatever. But the show began. They had this big swell of music and people were walking around the stage and stuff. And the host decided that he would have some fun with me. (laughs) Uh, His Uh first words were were to shush everyone and chide them for talking and making noise while I was on the phone. He said, can't you people tell he's on the phone? Be quiet, everyone. Hush. He's trying to talk to someone. Excuse me, everyone. Please be quiet. He's on the phone. And he wouldn't let up. And I tried to wave to be good sport or whatever. I tried to walk further away. But I got grilled for like a minute until I hung up. Oh, oh. no. And this wasn't a breach of theater etiquette for me because this is outside. This was just along the midway of Universal itself. But, oh. they. You then
1: (laughs) requested your money back.
0: I I was, um, that memory was just locked within me until Mm -hmm. I was back in that area (laughs) and I felt a cold sweat. And I, oh and i it, it, i was struck it with that memory this is where it happened <laughs> oh something you'd never see at disney but universal does like to be playful and i definitely appreciate that <laughs> most of the time <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, you're a better sport than other people, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, speaking of other shows at Universal, The Born Spectacular, I saw that again. Uh, another really great show at Universal. Uh, this time I was pretty close to the, to the stage itself and to the side um, instead of where I'd first seen it, which was towards the back of the theater and in the center. Uh, I would definitely recommend Back Center for the the theater if you can swing it, uh, because if you're a little further back, it's easier to just take it all in um, and sort of have the actors blend into the whole design of the show itself. Uh, But still, even sitting up closer, it was still a great show to see. I
1: almost watched that show as well. Just couldn't make it happen with the time that I had, so
0: oh well. You know, that's the problem with the Universal. It always seems like there's not enough time to do everything that you want to do. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but with that Mardi Gras parade, because it was Mardi Gras, I, I knew that I had to get back there. I, I tore myself away from my impromptu photography session of Velocicoaster at Islands of Adventure. And I walked back to um, the Studios Park. I ended up setting up shop. Uh, in front of the prop shop, coincidentally, uh, and I wanted to be out there near the beginning of the parade route so that when all of the guests that had been selected for the floats and the bead throwing, so they would empty out their reserves of beads early on, I would be there to catch Mm. them because I didn't want to be up there towards maybe the entrance of the park where it was still the parade route, but with these with these guests, I know that they want to throw out as many beads as possible, and I was concerned that they would run out, so I definitely wanted to get beads uh, I did end up getting a lot of beads. I got hit by some beads in the face uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes and um <laughs> I was happy with where I saw it because this was right out of the uh beginning of the parade. It's where the parade first steps out and the the actors were fresh. The fire was billowing out of one of the the floats as well. Uh, all the the beads were being thrown willy-nilly, and I caught a bunch. And it was it was a very impressive show, DJ. I of course have a lot of experience with parades at theme parks, but uh, this was a fun show for Mardi Gras. The floats were bigger than I was anticipating, uh, especially the the king. Crocodile or King Gator uh, at the end, that's a huge float. Um, And I don't know how they maneuver around the turns, but they do. And uh, there's just people, um, performers between each float. So many stilt walkers, so many people um, running around dancing to this Zydeco music. And and DJ, I can really appreciate Zydeco, but when they only play like seven songs throughout the park (laughs) the whole day...
1: Mm-mm.
0: It can. Oof, I, I welcome the the <laughs> change in music after that point, but feet don't fail me now. Feet don't fail me now. I mean, it's a great song, <laughs> but when you hear it twelve times that day, it can it can get to be a lot. But
1: now I had not seen that parade this time, but I did go in the Tribute Store, mm-hmm. um, and it was all to Mardi Gras, and they had different renditions of that final large alligator float, which was really cool to see how they designed it and different iterations over the years.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very impressive parade. Um, I had, on my last visit to Universal, seen um, their holiday parade uh, around the Christmas time, and there was a lot of DreamWorks characters in that I think it was a DreamWorks-themed parade as well, but with uh, the Macy's balloons in it too. And yeah. uh, that, again, was a very impressive parade, but the Mardi Gras parade is just plain fun. <laughs> you get to catch beads as well. Uh, so that was a great parade, a great way to celebrate Mardi Gras at the theme parks. I think this is industry leading at Universal. I mean, Busch Gardens had a great time at their Mardi Gras event as well, but I mean... All of the the elements, the food, the music, the drinks, the parade, the beads for uh, Universal, I think they are uh, top of the line with what they do at Mardi Gras there.
1: And did you get sad walking by The Mummy knowing you couldn't ride it as it was closed and boarded, boarded up?
0: Well, yes, that and Shrek 4D. I was at the point in the year where the... Sign the marquee was still up for Shrek 4D, but it was still behind that Minions wall, and mm, yes. it was like seeing a fallen friend that <laughs> that uh, has gone a, a different path, and and now our paths will not cross again until I go to Netflix and and watch the ride video, but. <laughs> With Mummy as well, I will at least say it was great that they had sort of beefed up the offerings of their store uh, where what is usually the exit for Mummy, uh, they sort of made it Universal Monsters themed, which I'm loving that they're putting the Universal Monsters more and more in the parks now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: I'm loving to see that as well. And uh, yeah, it was a great visit to Universal Orlando. I did a lot of things that I had not done before. I ate a crawdad for the first time. I saw a fun parade. <laughs> I rode some fun rides, saw fun shows. It's just a really fun time there, DJ. I, I really do like mm. Universal Orlando.
1: It's just funny you haven't had a crawdad before. And then my, my dad, growing up, would constantly go to the creek and just catch them and eat them all the time, just right out of the creek.
0: He would just <laughs> eat the crawdads raw?
1: Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he'd cook oh, them. But okay. what I meant is he'd <laughs> just go, just like you go fishing. Yeah. That's what I meant.
0: <laughs> well, I had encountered crawdads for a lot of time in my life. I mean, when I worked at Disneyland, um, primarily at the Storybook Land Canal Boats when I was in attractions there, that canal was full of crawdads. And sometimes mm-hmm. they would get pretty bold. <laughs> I mean, going <laughs> up to the water's edge. And what would be amusing would be this happened maybe twice but it's strange that it happened twice I would get a call about a scorpion in oh. the ride area oh. so I'd go out and approach the area it was just a big crawdad <laughs> <laughs> so I mean yeah uh, it's oh. I have now eaten a crawdad so I can check that off my list but thinking uh, oh it's a scorpion where's its tail oh no no tail it's a it's a crawdad <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that is that is just how things go sometimes dj but i was getting a little sidetracked that was my visit to universal orlando resort uh during this brief trip that i had to orlando uh in february
1: well i'm glad you had a great time i mean it sounds like you did you did a lot of stuff you wanted to do unfortunately like you've pointed out Universal, I don't know why I always consider it a one-day park, because it's just not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's just not. Well, DJ, I know that we have more adventures to share, uh, both myself and yourself as well. Uh, But I think that we should hold that for the next episode. I mean, we've had a lot of good discussion about Universal Orlando right here. We've talked a little bit about life like we usually try to do. Uh, But how about we close up this episode now? And then for our next episode, we'll talk about my journey through Walt Disney World and then your journeys as well, too. Does that work?
1: That works for me. And so I guess as we're closing this episode, between episodes, dear listener, if you have a question you have for us, say you want to have a corkscrew conversation with us, there's a variety of ways you can do that. As Chris was talking about at the beginning of the episode, there is convos at gmail.com. You can email us there for any question you might have, more long-form questions. We're also on all the social medias, though. That's right, all of them. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Instagram, there's truly a reason to follow the show on each of these platforms with different varying content Um, Although Chris, I think Instagram was the most popular at least during my trip to Orlando
0: Yeah, I was loving the the stories that you were sharing of your trip through Galaxy's Edge. It was really fun to see and uh, those are highlighted on our Instagram profile as well So if if you dear listener want to get a a peek into what DJ's journey through Galaxy's Edge looked like uh, There's still an opportunity for you to do that Now,
1: absolutely, I encourage you all to go look at that, and of course, follow us on all social media. Um, you know as well as giving us a five-star review on Apple. I think that is the best way you can help the podcast. It's a very free way. It's completely free to help us. It helps us the most out of really any way you could. And of course, also doing the same on Spotify. uh, We really would appreciate it. Again, a free way to help us out. It's one of the best things you can do for the podcast. If you've listened for this long, whether it's episode 60 for you, whether it's the end of your very first episode for you, or if you're still just kind of figuring out this podcast, Again, this is the best way you can help us. So we'd appreciate that review. Appreciate those follows as
0: well. Until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Court True Convo. Thanks for listening.